Kevin Max of DC Talk is just the latest in a long line of high-profile Christian leaders, influencers, who have deconstructed or deconverted or have become exvangelical. And this means a lot of different things. In some cases, it means walking away from Christian belief and thought and Christianity and Christian practice altogether. And in other ways, it just means that they don't accept all of the tenets of Christianity or they don't accept evangelicalism or they don't believe everything that they once believed. It means a lot of different things. It's kind of a spectrum. In this episode, I want to kind of get to the bottom of what is happening in Christianity to the extent that we can in one episode. There's a whole lot to this, but I want to focus on what do we as pastors do? Uh, What can we learn from this? What does it look like going from here? Because it is changing. The landscape is changing. Christianity, evangelicalism, Protestantism, is it's changing, and people are viewing it differently. And I don't know if it's completely a generational thing, but it seems to be somewhat generational that you have a lot of these leaders who grew up heavily influencing millennials are now walking away. And a lot of people are walking away from the faith as well. Now, here's the thing. Not everybody, not everybody is walking away. I don't want to be doomsday uh, kind of person, but it is interesting that in the last five years or so, we've just seen one after another, after another, after another, that have just said, I don't believe anymore in one way or another. And so in this episode, I want to walk through some of the most recent and some of the ones that you're going to probably know about, kind of hear a little bit of their stories and then kind of just deconstruct (laughs) to the point where we can try to figure out where do we go from here as pastors? Because there are some common threads but not as many as you would think. And what I mean by that is sometimes I will hear people talk about deconstruction and they'll say, well, it's just churches that weren't teaching anything. You know, people weren't taught the Bible and so of course they walked away. Well, that's not true. There's, there's a lot of people who deconstructed from heavily theological places and we're going to look into that. And then there are other people who maybe deconstructed or walked away from maybe a more shallow experience or what you might consider a more shallow experience of Christianity. But whatever the case, I want to dig into it. We're going to talk about it in this episode. We might do more on it depending on how this goes. But this is where I want to start today, because we haven't talked about this yet here on the Preaching Donkey Podcast. This is episode 31. My name is Lane. I am your humble host. Typically at Preaching Donkey, we talk about preaching, how you can improve your preaching, how you can preach with more effectiveness and more clarity than ever before. So if you want a great free resource on preaching, go to preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days. And there you're going to find my 21-day guide to creating killer sermons. You can pick it up there, and it will give you a three-week, three step process that will help you as you prepare and create and deliver a compelling life-changing message. It'll just be another tool in your toolkit to help you, whether you've been preaching for a long time or you just started, there's going to be something in there for you. So preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, welcome. So glad you're here. Be sure to give this video a like, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. If you're listening on Spotify, on Pandora, on iHeartRadio, on uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening, so awesome to have you. I'm so thankful to you that you would listen and that you would tune in and hang out with me for a little bit today. If you are watching on YouTube, I am going to share my screen through a few of these articles. So if you're listening and you kind of want a better experience, hop on over to YouTube and you'll be able to see it. But I am going to, I'm going to read everything. So you're not, you don't have to see it, but it will be a better experience if you're watching on here. So 
DC Talks, Kevin Max, says he's been deconstructing his faith for decades. This is churchleaders.com. Says the black sheep of Christian Music's Grammy Award-winning trio DC Talk, Kevin Max, has been revealed to his followers, has revealed to his followers and fans on social media over the weekend that he has been deconstructing his faith for decades. The 53-year-old singer called himself an ex-evangelical, a term used to define someone who has left evangelical Christianity. So here is the tweet. He said this on May 15th, 2021. So this is, you know, maybe just, just short of a month ago. I've been deconstructing slash reconstructing slash progressing, whatever you wish to call it, for decades. I've been in the outsider misfit seeker club for a long time now. Thank you for welcoming me in, but I've always been here. Happy Saturday, all. Thank you for your comments. So that was his take, and just as in his normal style, it's confusing and hard to figure out and somewhat etherical, but that's the way he uh, likes to or esoteric, I should say. That's the way he likes to to roll, be a bit confusing, a bit mysterious. That's kind of his MO. The tweet caused some confusion, uh, leading some to believe he wasn't a Christian anymore. To clarify, Max says he's still a Christian and told people to, quote, read, read the text carefully and reassured his followers, I still follow the universal Christ. I have no idea how many people's blogs or podcasts are using that announcement for further division, but I'm here for the grace. Okay, well, I'm not I'm not doing this for division. I don't really have any desire to do that. I'm here to help pastors and to uh, have a conversation about something that is happening. So uh, let's let's see what he says here. Read the text carefully. So somebody had responded. Where he he one of his texts, one of his tweets on May 15th read, "Hello, my name is Kevin Max, and I'm an hashtag evangelical." And then somebody said, you no longer believe in Jesus. And someone else said, did he say it was uh, an ex-Jesus believer? And then he said, nope, didn't say that. Read text carefully. So that's where that's coming from. Just kind of give you some context there. So he he reassured his followers, I still follow the universal Christ. I have no idea how many people's blogs, podcasts, blah, blah, blah. So when he talks about he still follows the universal Christ in his Twitter bio, he calls himself a universalist. If he's talking theologically, then that would explain the universal Christ idea. Maybe that means he thinks that everybody, regardless of belief, is going to be redeemed by Jesus. I don't know. He doesn't specify. Again, that's his MO. He's very, he likes to be very vague. Max Post read, I've been deconstructing, reconstructing, progressing, whatever you wish to call it. We read that already. The Jesus freak singer seemed to take offense to Christian outlets reporting on his revelation to his followers saying, for all those people using my post as plug and play for your own hot take or personal discourse, that's what we're doing here, (laughs) I offer the lyrics to an upcoming song off my new band Astronauts Sad album Adult Fears titled It's Okay. I'm sorry for being obtuse or difficult, but it's a process, love. So he admits to being obtuse. The lyrics from Kevin's upcoming song reflect some of his deconstructing journey, which reads, it's okay to be estranged from everything you were taught. It's okay to unpack all the hopeless baggage that you bought. I know the sun, it never shines in the same place twice. And I know that life is better with a trust advice, but you will change when you cave to the universal Christ. 
He specifically called the Christian Post for an article, called out the Christian Post for an article about its deconstruction, and responded by plugging his new band, Astronauts Sad, which he says lyrically reflects his current faith journey. Max said, so now the Christian Post decided to write an article on my tweets, so they're back and forth between him and the crowd. I don't really care about all that. In December of 2020, Max did an interview with Decent Christian Podcast. In it, he was asked what deconstruction looks like in terms of what deconstructionists believe and what evangelical world believes. Max said he likes to call it deconstruction or reconstruction because any person who's really changing, you're going to deconstruct or you're going to reconstruct. So it's a combination of both things. Like in his recent Twitter post, he told the podcast host he's been deconstructing for decades and shared he's always been progressing and sometimes I regress. Where I am right now, quote, he says, I've really just kind of gone on a journey to find out what I truly believe by reading a lot, thinking a lot, and keeping my eyes and ears open. I've definitely been pretty vocal about my thoughts online, and it's met with some people that just don't agree with me, which is great. Max explained, I've always told them I'm a believer, but I'm questioning a lot of things, and I've got more questions than answers. Jesus, I love you, but your followers freak me out was a song Max wrote for his Radio Technica album and ask God in it, what do you think when you hear people say your name? What do you think when they twist your words and bend them out of shape? What do you, what do you think when they picket all the gays? As a member of DC Talk, I, to write a song like that was great because I meant it, Max later said. Kevin Max encourages faith deconstruction. When asked what he would say to someone deconstructing his or her faith, Max said, I would just suggest that they continue to be open, learning, changing, and progressing. He said, if people give in to their fear of asking questions, that might lead to no longer believing what they once did. You're giving into the same fear that kept us from progressing as people for so long. I will say, I do agree that your faith, my faith, the faith of the people in your church has to be able to handle questions and doubts. This is something that uh, Tim Keller points out in his book, The Reason for God, which is a fantastic book on modern apologetics. And he says that a, a faith without doubts is like a body without antibodies. You're going to be fine for a while until there's even a small attack and then the whole system is going to fail. So doubts and questions actually strengthen your faith over time because it kind of bolsters your ability to handle objections. He goes on to say, uh, that's where Kevin and I agree here. Max said, totalitarian fear that resides in many evangelical churches has made people regress over time. He encouraged those deconstructionists listening to the interview to embrace what they're going through. If they're a believer, they should have these deep conversations with the God they believe in. They really struggle with it. Talk to him about it, he said. I believe in the God of the universe, and I believe he can hear me. That in itself is just plain kind of crazy, but if I believe that, then I truly believe he cares about my progression and asking questions. Paul Maxwell, okay, now they're gonna talk about a couple of other people, and this is where <clears throat> I think it's important to remember that th this kind of deconstruction thing is happening all across theological nuance. So we just got through talking about Kevin Max, and some people might say, well, Kevin Max was never really like, he wasn't a theologian, he was just a, happened to be in a really like iconic, popular Christian band, but that doesn't mean that he necessarily took his faith seriously. He was paid to be in a very popular Christian band, so he had to kind of walk the line, and then he was in Audio Adrenaline for a little bit, and now he's just kind of a free agent, and he's finally being honest about what he always believed. That might be the take. I'm not saying that's my take. I'm just saying that might be the take. 
and some people might say, well, you know, people who are <clears throat> more grounded in their theology, they're, they're the ones who aren't going to deconstruct because they just, people need to be taught, they need to study, they need to know, and if they know, they won't deconstruct. Well, Paul Maxwell was a, uh, and we're going to talk about Abraham Piper, John Piper's son, former Desiring God contributor and Christian author Paul Maxwell released a video in April 2021, so two months ago, sharing that he is, quote, not a Christian anymore. Maxwell told his Instagram followers that he can't wait to discover what kind of connection I can have with all of you beautiful people as I try to figure out what's next. I love you guys. I'm in a really good spot. I love my life for the first time, and I love myself for the first time. So this is him, if you're watching author, former Desiring God contributor, former uh, philosophy professor at Moody Bible Institute and Trinity Evangelical Divinity grad, Paul Max. So he has like all of the pedigree, all of the credentials of a really knowledgeable, well-versed theologically, whether you agree with the theological nuances of Desiring God or not, there's depth there, right? They, they, they know what they believe. They know why they believe it. There's not a whole lot of ambiguity, and so he walks away, right, uh, from from that. Even though he's, you know, in a very kind of theologically rich environment, Abraham Piper is the son of the well-known theologian and evangelical preacher John Piper. Abraham uses TikTok, his TikTok page, to deconstruct, uh, to post deconstructionist videos to his one million followers. A video called "It's Weird to Make Kids Read the Bible" has been viewed over eight hundred and sixty-six thousand times. Abraham stated, "You want to know uh, one of the silliest things about being raised devoutly evangelical? Children are expected to read the Bible." Piper went on to compare that to Game of Thrones, saying, "Except you don't read it. Except if you don't read it, you go to hell." So Abraham Piper, which I've watched a lot of his TikTok videos. I can understand why he has such a huge following. It's very interesting. He does those videos very well. Uh, I think probably most of his followers don't really know or have any history with his dad. There might be some kind of curious Christians that go and check him out, but a big, big majority, I would think, of his audience are people who uh, maybe don't have much of a background in this at all. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but he's a very intriguing guy, and he is very much not again, uh, not uh, for evangelicalism or anything his dad teaches. I wonder. I always wonder if him and his dad still have any kind of a relationship. But at one point, he was a Christian. In fact, on YouTube, you can find a video where he's introducing his dad at a speaking event, and he was a Christian back then, and I think that was about maybe 10, 11 years ago. So things have changed with him. And again, he grew up in John Piper's household, theologically rich, whether you agree or disagree, but theologically rich, there's not a whole lot of uh, shallowness there, like very deep theological roots. And then and then finally, uh, I Kiss Dating Goodbye's author, Joshua Harris, uh, he came out a couple years ago in, in full, like, I'm not a Christian anymore based on what I believe a Christian is. So he, and again, he was a part of the Sovereign Grace Ministries, theologically rich. Hillsong's worship music uh, musician, Marty Sampson. So Hillsong, maybe not as like theologically rich, more, more emphasis on music and experience and things like that, but he walked away recently. And then Hawk Nelson's John Steingard have all recently renounced their faith as well. So you have this kind of like Kevin Max is just the latest, which is disappointing to me because I was a huge DC Talk fan back in the day. My first concert I ever went to was the DC Talk concert. It was February 4th, 1999, and it was in Oklahoma City at the Myriad Convention Center. And I had fourth row tickets 
went with uh, my good friend BJ and my other friend Matt, and we were just uh, so excited to be there. We could not believe that we were on the fourth row at DC Talk Supernatural Tour. So I have a little bit of a vested interest in this because part of me always hoped that DC Talk would one day, you know, get back together. Uh, Kevin Max was always like, a little bit of a, like hard to figure out, you know, it's like I would watch him. I'd watch him in interviews. I would watch him talk about anytime he would talk about faith. It always seemed like he was talking about it in like third person. Like, like he's not really experiencing it firsthand. It's more of a secondhand or thirdhand. It's like, I've heard Toby talk about it and I've heard Michael talk about it, the other two members of DC Talk. And I kind of know enough to kind of get a peripheral understanding of what it is, but it's not really my experience. And you could kind of tell, and this is totally conjecture and may not be true, but it almost seemed like, okay, what would it look like if I had to fake this? What would it look like if I had to fake an experience of Christianity because I've got this whole career that's built around it in Christian music. And so if I don't continue to fake it, then I'm going to have to find a different way to make a living. And I've got these opportunities and that's what it kind of felt like. I'm not saying that's true. And I respect and and believe his journey that, that this is what he's going through. And I hope that if he has walked away from Jesus that he'll come back. And I'm praying for all these people, Joshua Harris and Marty Sampson and the Hawk Nelson guy. And Abraham Piper, I, I hope and pray all of those people come back to the faith to the extent that they've walked away from it. I, I pray and hope that they'll come back. The question for us as church leaders and pastors is, what do we do with this? Like, where do we go from here where the landscape of Christianity is changing? And there's, first of all, we have to kind of get down to why. And there's lots of theories. One theory why this is happening simply comes down to the internet, right? There's a lot of people who just say, well, back in the day, people didn't have access to information and other ways of thinking. And so there was just a, a, a lot of people that just believed simply because they were told to believe and their parents believed and their parents believed. So why would they not believe? And now you can get on you know, Reddit forums and you can get on uh, YouTube and you can go down a rabbit hole of all these different ways of thinking and believing that might differ from the way you grew up. And so that's why people are walking away because of information. There's another theory that says that it has to do with the hypocrisy in evangelicalism in particular, that you have these evangelical leaders so many of them who have fallen and who have fallen recently. Uh, people like Bill Hybels, who was a you know champion of evangelicalism and one of the top you know leaders, one of the largest churches, and big scandal broke out and he's gone, right? And there's so many others. James McDonald, there's uh, back years ago, Ted Haggard had a big you know scandal that came out. And so you have all these people who are in trusted positions and all these millennials and all these Gen Zers that are looking at these people who at one point would have just been esteemed because of their position are now saying, okay, they're just a bunch of hypocrites, can't trust them, and they've proven me wrong again and again and again, and so I'm going to walk away from that. Some people say it has to do with the former president, right? I was listening to a podcast just yesterday about Jerry Falwell Jr. and his relationship with Donald Trump and how he had endorsed uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. had endorsed the Trump presidency, and that kind of ma kind of married uh, Trump with evangelicalism and right wing politics. 
And regardless of your beliefs and, and ways of viewing all that, it is a theory that people say, well, this kind of marriage of politics and evangelicalism has put a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths, and so they're walking away because of that. And then you have the theory that, well, people just don't know their Bibles and they don't know why they believe what they believe. And so the first time that they have something come along that trips them up, they, they don't have any answer for it and they walk away. And here's my thing. I think all four or five of those reasons that I just gave are all plausible. And I don't think it's any one thing. I think that it's probably a combination of a lot of them. But I think the biggest... To me, the biggest reason why we now know about this is people are more honest. And I think younger generations are just more honest maybe than previous generations. In previous generations, you probably had a lot of people who sat in church week after week who didn't believe. But they went to church because that's what you did, right? It's where you met, had contacts. That's where you were able to meet and mingle and mix with people. Going to church kind of put you in a good standing with the community, especially if you wanted to be influential. It's like, well, I go to the Church of Christ or I go to the First Baptist Church or I go to the United Methodist Church. And that kind of gave you a little bit of, well, he can be trusted or she can be trusted because they go to their church going people. Well, that's no longer the case, right? Church is seen and church attendance is seen as if not negative, it's seen as like kind of why would you do that, right? It's kind of like you don't need it for social standing. And so I think that people's disbelief may not necessarily be increasing as much as their honesty about it because the social acceptance of unbelief and the social rejection of belief have increased in both cases. So is it that people just don't know their Bibles? I think that has some something to do with it. Like, why would you stick with a faith that you don't really understand? Like, especially when there's risk, right? Because lately... Uh, belief in historical biblical Christianity comes with more risk than it used to. And and I'm talking about in the West. I mean, worldwide, this has always been the case that it's not been comfortable or cozy to be a Christian, but lately it's becoming more of a, uh, like a, it's becoming more negative or it has the potential to be perceived negatively by people, right? I'm not saying we're persecuted and we have it really hard. I mean, that those days might be coming, but I'm just saying if you don't really know why you believe something, why would you stick with something that has a social stigma anyway? So I think there's something to that, right? Like they don't know what they believe. I think the other part is, I think a lot of people don't know why. I remember when I was 15 or 16 years old, I went to a camp where there was an apologist, which uh, most of you listening probably know what that is, but if, if there's someone listening who don't, uh, the word apologist comes from the word apologia, which means defense or an answer. So like in, uh, in the New Testament, when Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer, to give a defense for the hope that you have, he was using the word apologia, right? It's a, it's a defense, it's an apologetic. So if you're a Christian apologist, you are someone who gives a defense for or an answer for Christian belief and thought. So I was exposed to this for the first time, 15, 16, 17, something like that. And it was amazing. It started this journey for me of reading books, uh, people like uh, Norman Geisler and William Lane Craig and a few others, Tim Keller's book on the reason for God and, and a, a, a few others that really solidified and helped to solidify 
why I believe that truth exists and that it's knowable and that there is a God and that it just happens that it's the God of the Bible and there's evidence for that and the New Testament's true and the Old Testament's true. Like those beliefs became solidified for me because I was able to go on this journey of discovering. I think in modern Christianity, that's very rare. Um, I was very fortunate to have that. I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I'm just saying that it's it's rare to have uh, a lot of, uh, if, you, if you polled people in a church, like take any church in America, if you took them and said, uh, do you know basic apologetics? Like, do you know how to explain and give a hope or give, give an answer for the hope that you have and the beliefs that you have? I don't know if it'd be half and half. It might be two thirds, one third of people just saying, yeah, I don't really know. This is just part of what I do. And that kind of just, this is just part of what I do. It's part of just, we go to church that is fading away. So then if you think about these high profile people, it doesn't really, it's not in their best interest anymore. It doesn't really serve them to continue to purport to believe something that they don't believe. And so more people are walking away and more people are being vocal about it. And this can have a trickle effect into the people in your church and in my church, especially young people who look at this and will say, well, if, if these people who once believed are walking away and I've got all these people that I read on Twitter and on Reddit and on Facebook or wherever I'm finding my information and, and are on TikTok videos and they're all walking away, then why am I still here if I have nothing, nothing anchoring me to this? So as pastors, the answers are like multifaceted. Like I don't think there's one answer and I don't claim to have the answer, by the way. I'm really just wanting to begin a conversation here. But I think a lot of pastors are thinking, well, what do we do? Like, where do we go from here? How do we equip and educate our people? How do we, how do we make sure that we don't uh, panic, but we have something that, is, that we're offering to people of substance? I think some of this comes down to mission. I think people, uh, it's not a matter of people need to know more. I think that that is a factor. People need to know what they believe and why they believe. But I think the the mission of following Jesus is compelling. And the desire to know and follow him and do the work that he has for us in his kingdom, I think that's compelling. And I think when that's missing and all we're calling people to is moralistic therapeutic deism, right? Like there's a God, he wants you to kind of do good and he's there to make you happy and deistic. So he's not really involved, right? He's, he's kind of, he's kind of there, but he's distant. This leads to people saying, well, if that's, if that's all there is to Christianity, then why would I stick with Christianity? Why don't I just go have some kind of belief system that I can basically kind of mix and match with whatever I want to believe? So I think mission and a sense of why does God have you on this earth? And what does it look like to live a Holy Spirit filled life where you're following Jesus? You know why you're doing that. You know what you're doing and you have your hope set on a eternity with Christ. I don't know how to convey that consistently to a, a generation of people who are going to be inundated with the opposite message, but I think it's incumbent upon us as preachers and as pastors and church leaders to do our best to try to help people see and know the beauty of Jesus and what it is to follow him. There's a lot more to it than that. 
And I'm not saying that these people didn't at one point maybe understand that, but I don't know that there's any other kind of technique or strategy or tactic that we can do to, to hang on to these people that are walking away other than consistently pointing to the beauty of Jesus, the sacrifice that he made in our place for our sins, and that in his word, we find life, we find hope, we find peace, and we find our mission, why we are here. If people have a deeper sense of mission and why they're here, the amount of people walking away will diminish because you don't walk away from purpose. You walk away from apathy and you walk away from a sense of hopelessness, right? So that's what I have for you today. I would love to hear from you in the comments. What do you think? What do you think about this? What do you think about this issue? Uh, what am I missing? I would love to get this conversation started. We'll probably talk more about this. This issue is not going away. It's, it's kind of part of the modern evangelical landscape. So we're going to be here for a while, but I wanted to get this conversation started. And I hope at some level this might have been informative or encouraging. See you next time here at the Preaching Donkey Podcast. Mm-hmm.